0: Okay, Jet Vance, Darrell Greatest.
1: Baby is off the board. The New York Jets select. The Bexton, to be a New York Jet.
0: Pressure just makes it go all the
1: more. I, mean, I kind of like pressure a little bit. The
0: New York Jets select. Welcome to another episode of NFL Draft Preview, presented by Verizon with the athletics Dane Bruegler. We have no time to waste here. Dane is in the thick of the beast it is in the editing process so let's dive right into the interior of the offensive line which is the position which is the position that we will be breaking down today starts with Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC he might not be on the board by the time the jets are on the clock at 23 but why is he the top option in terms of the interior
1: yeah, if he's there at 23, I think you're feeling really good. If you're Joe Douglas uh, and the Jets' decision makers, uh, that's an easy choice. Uh, plug him in at guard. I think he's the top guard in this class. Uh, you know, he put himself on the map in 2019 when he played left guard. This past year, he moves to left tackle, replaces Austin Jackson, who was a first-round pick at the Dolphins last year, and he played really well outside. Uh, very coordinated in pass protection. Uh, stays patient. He's very under control with his pass sets. Stays square to rushers. And I really like his strike timing. Uh, he just has a real, a real knack for it. Physical hands uh, can maintain that spacing between him and, and rushers. Uh, he can re-anchor on the move. Uh, looks comfortable pulling, engaging with linebackers at the second level. Uh, came in with only 32 inch hands or, or 32 inch arms, which uh, I think that right there it, it would make him tough. It would make it tough for him to survive a tackle. That's part of the reason why I think he's best inside at guard. But he looks like a plug-and-play starter, uh, a guy that's going to play for a long time.
0: So if let's just say he's not on the clock when the Jets are at 23. Let's say that – would you say he goes somewhere, obviously, between 2 and 23? And I have a follow-up here, but where would you suggest or where would you project his, I don't know, potential selection? Like is he a teen's pick? Is he maybe a top 10, closer to 10, or is he more closer to the teen's?
1: I think somewhere in the teens, you know, that mid first round range, uh, I think it's just a very high floor prospect. Like you have a good idea of what you're getting with Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, And most teams that I've talked to see him as a guard. Um, Some think that he could play outside, but I most see his best fit inside a guard where you can kind of maximize his strengths as a player. Uh, But if he gets out of the top 20, you know, you're, if you're Joe Douglas, you're kind of crossing your fingers that he gets past 21, 22, gets to you because he, uh, he's a mid for Trump pick all
0: day. All right. So that leads me to my next question, Dane, which is at what point, if you're Joe Douglas, does Elijah Vera Tucker, let's say he's on the board and you're like, you know what? We have the draft capital that we can make a move and get up and get this guy. At what point does that become a conversation in your eyes?
1: Once you get to that late teens, you know, when you're only moving up, you're talking about five spots, uh, you know, you're not moving up 10, 12 spots. You're moving up five spots. Uh, that's where I think it's worth uh, worth talking about. And, you know, you look at some of the teams that are picking there and, you know, maybe guys or teams that might be looking to move back. Uh, it's worth having the conversation and see if the, what the asking price is. You know, is it one of those third round picks? Is it, uh, you know, a third next year? Uh, Could you get away with uh, a fourth and a fifth or something like that? Can you get creative with it? It's always worth making those phone calls to see what your options are. And, you know, there might be more than one player. Uh, You know, maybe a Greg Newsome, who we've talked about, corner from Northwestern. Uh, You know, maybe some of these other, there are going to be players that are still going to be available, pick 17, pick 18, that could really be of some interest uh, to the Jets. So making those calls, laying the groundwork for what it's going to take to move up, Uh, It's always, it's always worth doing that due diligence.
0: All right. So let's assume that Vera Tucker is off the board when the jets are on the clock at 23, someone who might be available, Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. What makes him a good interior prospect, given that most of his stars actually come at tackle for the Wolverines.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of split opinions on Mayfield uh, around the league. Some think late first is a possibility. Others have early third round grades on him. So there's a wide variance here, 6'5", 326 pounds. Like you mentioned, only played right tackle at Michigan, but with his size, his power, his average length, I think his skill set is much better inside. Uh, He can uproot defenders at contact, love the way he'll drive in the run game, inline power, uh, can collapse down so he can create that run room. Uh, Slide quickness is average, which is one of the reasons why I think a a move inside would be best. Still only 20 years old. He's a very young player. Uh, And so I think there will be rough patches early on, and that's where uh, it depends what you're looking for. If you can endure those rough patches early on, then, you know, you're going to maybe value Jalen Mayfield a little bit higher. But if you're looking for a plug-and-play guy, maybe he's not for you. So long-term, a really intriguing player can be a solid pro. Short-term... Uh, you know, there'd be a a learning curve. So there's a lot to like about Jalen Mayfield, but there's certainly split opinion throughout the league.
0: For Mayfield, I think my assumption that he played right tackle, you're talking about him as an interior prospect. My mind says, well, maybe he'd be a right guard because some of the sets would be similar, but do you think that he could play left guard too? Or in your mind, you're like, it makes more sense for him just to stay on the right side of the ball and play right guard
1: probably where he's most comfortable, but you know, I think that that's why, you know, pro days matter to see how we can move around doing, uh, you know, they, when they do these agility drills, they'll do them from different angles, doing them from different sides, just to see how he moves. Is he a little tight in one direction or the other? So, you know, that's something that, uh, the coaches would get a firsthand look at when they are at the pro day or they're able to watch the tape of the pro day and get a better feel for that. So I, I think it's fair to assume right, right, right guard would might be where he's most comfortable. But the way he can move, I, I think that either guard spot is certainly uh, in the realm of possibility for him.
0: This might be an unfair question, but you asked about Mayfield's or you said about how Mayfield's a bit of a project. Let's assume mm-hmm. that he goes to a great situation and he hits what maybe someone may describe as his ceiling. What is his ceiling, let's say, a year from now or two years from now?
1: Well, I think, you know... By the by, uh, the next year, you're hoping, uh, you know, at some point towards the end of his rookie year or into year two, you're hoping he's a solid starter. At the end of his rookie contract, you're hoping that he's at least in the Pro Bowl conversation. Um, and I think that's possible for him. Uh, again, he's only 20 years old, still, still young, still figuring out how to use his body, his power. Um, but he, you know, just f- from last year, he watched his 2019 film to his 2020 film. And there wasn't a lot of 2020 film because of the pandemic, and then he was also injured. But you could just, in the limited uh, sample size that we have, you see a much better player in terms of hit that inline power with his uh, with his hands, the way he's able to latch and drive. So I, you see a player that's getting better and better, and it's always the tough tough part about evaluation when you talk about potential and upside, and basically you know you're getting out your crystal ball and trying to guess where he's going to be uh, with some pro coaching and with further development. But the trajectory that he's at right now. You see him by year two competing for a starting job. And then hopefully by the end of his rookie contract, you know, he's in that conversation to be an above average starter, a guy that's, you know, at least going to be in the conversation for a, a pro birth.
0: Another player in that 23-34 range, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, who has a decorated resume. He's played center for the Sooners, but do you think that he could play all three interior positions at the pro level?
1: He did at the senior bowl during practice and he held his own. Um, so I, I think that uh, is certainly a fair projection. Um, I think he's best at center though. You know, I, he's my top ranked center in the class. Uh, didn't allow a sack in 37 starts at center for uh, Oklahoma strength, smarts uh, he tested much better uh, than expected as pro day 508, 40 yard dash seven, five Oh three cone. Um, I don't know that we always see that on the field, But he's not a deficient athlete by any means. Um, And above all, I think you love him is he's a technician. Uh, That's why it's so easy to appreciate his game, uh, you know, and why you'd love to see him in your uniform. Reaction quickness, play strength. He's a former wrestler, uh, all-state wrestler in in high school. You see that on the field. Uh, The intangibles are off the charts. The coaches rave about him. So um, the fact that you could probably kick him outside to guard as well, uh, like he did the senior bowl, just another, uh, you know, uh, bullet to add to his resume as something that's uh, really impressive about him. So uh, he, he's an easy sell to make in a war room for a team that's looking for a starting center.
0: And is 23 too early for Creed Humphrey, or you think that's a legitimate possibility that he could in theory go somewhere between 23 and 34, which is when the jets, the jets would then next be on the clock.
1: If you grade Creed Humphrey as uh, a, a starter in the NFL who could be an above average starter in the NFL at center, uh, a position that is uh, a huge importance, especially for a team that could be breaking in a rookie uh, quarterback, that's, I don't know that 23 is too early. Uh, you know, you, you look at mock drafts out there and you talk to people, oh, he's a mid-second round pick, this and that. Uh, you know, it, it might look at it, it might look like a reach uh, when, you, when you do it that way, but when you just boil it down to, okay, what do we need? What does he give us? And does he make us a better football team? Uh, you know, I, I don't think that he necessarily qualifies for a reach. I think you also have to look at, you know, what's the gap between him and the next center in this class uh, for each team? Because if you think there's a big gap, then maybe you don't want to risk losing him in the early second round. So it's all about value. Um, you want to maximize each selection. So, I, you know, I think that early second round is probably more of the sweet spot for Creed Humphrey. But, you know, I'm not going to look at a team that drafts him in the the top 30 and say they they reached uh, necessarily because it might fit exactly what they're looking for at a position that doesn't get enough uh, attention as how important it is uh, for each offense.
0: So the Jets have two third round picks. Give us two interior offensive linemen that you could that you think could make sense for the Jets.
1: Well, we just, just stay on the center uh, conversation. Uh, Quinn Miners, who's my number two center uh, in this draft. Uh, just, we've, we've touched on him before, but, you know, anytime we get to talk about uh, Division three player, uh, let, let's do it again. Uh, two-year starting guard at Division three, Wisconsin Whitewater. He was a borderline draft pick uh, based off his junior film, didn't have a 2020 season, goes to the Senior Bowl, and just dominates at center. Um, I think he's be drafted somewhere in the top 70 picks. So you look at the jets sitting there in that early third round, that could be a a possible landing spot for him. 6'3", 320 pounds, 33 inch arms, really athletic player. Love the mentality, love the competitive drive, uh, technique, the power, all above average. Um, And without a 2020 season, he spent the year with coaches and trainers getting his body right, uh, getting his technique right. Uh, And really, I mean, did it show in Mobile, which is a really impressive player who has helped himself more than anybody uh, throughout this draft process. So, uh, you know, he might, even I mean, make it to the early third round. But if he does, I think he's someone that should be on the radar uh, for the Jets. And then, you know, you look at later in the third round, uh, let's look at a guard, Trey Smith from Tennessee. A little bit of an enigma as a prospect because he's rare in terms of size, power, movement ability, six, five and a half, 321 pounds. Posted outstanding numbers in the agility drills at his pro day, 32 reps on the bench. But the senior tape was very up and down. Um, You know, For a player with that raw power, you expect to see displacement, uh, point of attack movement, and you just don't see it on a consistent basis from him. Uh, High risk, high reward player because the talent is undeniable. Scouts thought he could go in the first round with a strong senior year. It just didn't happen. Uh, And he's overcome a lot in his life, uh, including blood clots in his lungs, Uh, The character feedback has been outstanding with him. Uh, Just a a really interesting player who could be uh, maybe in play at that pick number 86 for the Jets.
0: So it feels like Miners' stock is going up. Trey Smith kind of going down where you think about where he was, at least at the beginning of his collegiate career. In terms of Miners, we've talked about how much he's risen in this draft process from the senior bowl to now, but, you know, is it a little worrisome that when you look at his tape, it it's not nearly the player that it was for one week in Mobile, and then those numbers were confirmed in shorts and a T-shirt at his pro day?
1: That's fair. And that's that's the exact question that GMs will be asking their scouts in the war room when they figure out, okay, where do we stack this kid on our board? Um, and it's just it's a unique situation. Because you're talking about a D3 player. Um, and not only a D three player, but you know, and, and you know, no disrespect to D three programs, be, you don't, They just don't have the same strength and conditioning uh, programs. The you know, the dietitians, and uh, you know, Quinn Miners is a guy that after football season, you know, he would go on his own and work out on his own, and you know, he would put on some weight, lose some weight, and then come back for football season and get back in shape. So you know, this is a guy who you get him in a program, a year round program. And all of a sudden, things might look a little bit different. Um, but I think it's interesting how you mentioned it, how you, how you phrased it. These two players, Quinn Miners, Trey Smith, adjust the position in terms of, the, you know, the, the different way they're going. Trey Smith is a five-star guy, big-time recruit, uh, uh, you know, goes to Tennessee. Everybody wanted him. Um, and his career has kind of gone the other way, Whereas Miners, he, you know, he couldn't get anybody to look at him. Uh, you know, goes to Division three that doesn't have athletic scholarships. And all of a sudden, he's on the uh, upswing. Uh, He's ascending. So just a very, you know, two different paths. It's very interesting to track their careers going into the NFL.
0: You know, one thing on Trey Smith before we move in to a day three guy. Well, it's a two-part question. One, the medical. You mentioned the blood clots. Uh, How worrisome is that? And two, if Trey Smith, let's say, were drafted by the Jets and he – emerged as the player that you saw early with Tennessee to pair him with Makai Becton I mean what kind of a left side are we thinking about there
1: oh goodness yeah uh, that 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 would be fun to watch I mean two humongous uh, human beings uh, just bouncing bodies all over the field uh, yeah that would be a lot of fun uh, there's no question uh, you know the durability stuff the injury uh, background it's it's especially this year where uh, you know teams aren't able to necessarily get their doctors with these guys uh you know you're going based off of medical reports and things that other doctors are saying and so it could be there's that's part of the reason why he's high risk high reward um you know he's overcome a lot and he deserves a lot of credit for the way he battled through everything faced that adversity uh but in terms of the long term different teams are going to look at it uh, just a little bit differently. You know, you know, some teams are more risk adverse, some not not as much. And so, you know, it'll be, it'll be different from team to team how they view all this medical information, uh, most notably Trey Smith with his background.
0: All right, let's wrap up the interior of the offensive line with a day three prospect that you think maybe deserves a little more attention.
1: With Royce Newman out of Ole Miss, uh, he's one of those picks who he's not going to get talked about much on TV when he gets drafted. You know, the TV networks, uh, they're going to be talking about that flashy receiver who is two picks ahead of him. Uh, Meanwhile, Newman is going to show up, provide immediate depth for a team. and He's going to play for the next 10 years as a mid-round pick. 6'5", 310 pounds, uh, good length. Uh, He's always on time, which is what you love about him. Eyes, feet, movements, all on schedule. Uh, Not the most powerful guy, but he doesn't need to be because when his angles are on point, uh, his body position, he's able to keep the pocket clean, uh, seal run lanes, and maybe the best selling point uh, for him with scouts for position versatility. They say he can play center, right tackle, and either guard spot. So if you're looking for that offensive line depth uh, prospect, Newman is the type of player that I'd be targeting somewhere early on day three.
0: Does Newman have potential starting upside or is this a guy that you think mainly serves in a starting role in a pinch? Like if someone were hurt.
1: I think initially that's where he's going to start, you know, as a depth piece who can fill in when needed, but he's also one of those guys where you give him a taste of that starting job. He might not give it back. Depends uh, depending on how he plays. So, uh, you know, I, he is, I don't think he's played his best football yet. And, you know, with some added coaching at the NFL level, Would not surprise me at all if he eventually gets his chance to start and then just the the coaches decide he's one of our five best and we can't take him out. So I'd be certainly possible.
0: So out of all the guys that we've talked about so far, Elijah Vera Tucker, Jalen Mayfield, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Quinn Miners, and now Royce Newman, with the Jets running an outside zone scheme, you figured it'd be important that they could move in space. When I say that does do all of these guys move well in space or is there a couple of guys that you think, you know what, these guys would actually fit really well compared to a couple of of these other guys.
1: All all of these guys that we've talked about move well. None of these guys are slugs. Um, You know, even a Trey Smith, who's just a mammoth human being at six, five and a half, 320 pounds. He, his agility drills were really impressive. So he moves really well. Jalen Mayfield, even though I think because some of his slide quickness isn't as, um, efficient. He might be able to, he might move inside as his kind of the best uh, route for him long-term. He's still a, a good athlete for 300, almost 330 pounds. Uh, Miners and Humphrey, both uh, above average athletes at the center position. So I think most mm-hmm. six of these guys that we've talked about would fit with the Jets are looking to do.
0: And then these are the guys that we focused on, but how would you grade this group of interior linemen or even guys like Mayfield who play tackle but could play inside or you project to play inside at the next level how would you grade this group as a whole in terms of depth
1: you could make the case it's a top 5 position in this uh in this class in terms of talent at the top uh, talent on day 2 and then talent on day 3 um you know i think if we're going to stack it it starts with probably quarterback just because we're going to have five likely go in the top 10 to 12 picks, which is rare. Uh, So I get to start with quarterback wide receiver and corner are there. And then offensive tackle and interior offensive line. I think those are your five positions this year that stand above in terms of talent at the top. And then also depth throughout uh, days one, days two and day three.
0: All right. Well, with that being said, let's head to some fan questions. Let's head to Sean who presents this scenario, Elijah Vera Tucker or JC Horn at 23, regardless if you think this is totally not feasible or this is not going to happen. Let's just say for the sake of this argument, both are available on the clock at 23. If you're Joe Douglas saying, are you going Elijah Vera Tucker or JC Horn?
1: Uh, I mean, that, that would be a great problem to have deciding between those two players uh, for Joe Douglas and, I, you know, I, I would lean towards uh, you know the corner just because uh, it they're graded very similar for me. I think actually they're 13 and 14 on my top 100 board, I believe. So very closely, um, but I would lean towards the corner just because uh, you know he's. I think it's a position that you could argue is a greater need, uh, but also, I think it's also tougher to find those high-end corners like a J.C. Horn, who has the athletic ability, he has the size, the aggressiveness. Um, you know, the instincts, uh, the ball awareness. So uh, there's a lot that he offers that I want on I, 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 at corner where I feel comfortable finding a guard uh, later on in the draft where I don't feel as comfortable finding a, a corner who can come anywhere close to J.C. Horn. So I, I would lean towards Horn in that scenario. If, if he falls, to, tw- if either of those two fall to 23, uh, Joe Douglas is doing the backflips in, in that war room.
0: And I think Jets fans would be doing backflips as well. So Jersey Jet comes in with the second question. What linebacker or linebackers are the Jets most likely to pluck from this class? Do you anticipate more than one being chosen by the Jets? And I will say that when we discuss the linebackers, we discussed you know, all the way from Micah Parsons up top to a day three player and Tony Fields, maybe avoid the first round for this answer. I mean, you mentioned Nick <laughs> Bolton, potential fit for the Jets. Like, Who's a guy that you think that the Jets, that fits what they need in terms of speed and maybe plays better backwards than he does forwards
1: well let's focus on that part then um you know guys that maybe play better in reverse guys you can trust in coverage uh and two players two linebackers I think immediately stick out um in that second third uh round range uh maybe even early fourth uh Jabril Cox from LSU and Pete Werner Ohio State uh both 6'3, 235 range uh, Jabril Cox, uh, North Dakota state transfer goes to LSU for a senior year. Does not look out of place at all. Uh, one of the better coverage linebackers this year. There's some questions about his run fits and, uh, his ability to take on blocks, things like that, but he's a guy that can play in space. And that's always a, a guy that you're gonna, you know, there's a premium placed on a, on a, player like that. Uh, and then Pete Werner, uh, another guy who I think has four down potential, all three downs and then special teams, uh, his ability to play off the ball. To play against a slot to cover tight ends and backs, he has the athletic traits, and I think he also has the the ball awareness. Um, and so Werner, a guy in that late third, early fourth round range, uh, who could be a target as well. So Cox and Werner, if you're looking for a linebacker who can play in space, you can trust them in coverage. Two of those two those two guys make a lot of sense.
0: We didn't talk about this guy when we hit the linebackers, just in you know a couple sentences. What are your thoughts on Jamin Davis and where he mm-hmm. could, in theory, be selected?
1: Damon Davis reminds me a lot of Zach Cunningham when he was coming out of Vanderbilt. Uh, long athlete with some explosion to him. Um, you know, he's he's a good zone dropper. So, you know, he can find his landmarks, find the football, and make plays. I mean, just watch the Tennessee tape. He had a, I think a 70-yard uh, interception return for a touchdown on that one. Um, you know, that's what you're going to bet on. He has a lot of the traits you're looking for. And because of that, I think he's going to, he has a good chance to go in the first round. So, you know, he's a player that we could be talking about as an option in the back half of round one uh, for a team like the Jets if they're looking for a linebacker who uh, could do a little bit of everything, uh, a guy that you can plug him in, don't have to worry about him. Um, I, I graded him as an early second round pick, but there's some first round love for Jamin Davis out there.
0: All right, let's wrap up the fan questions with Jet Life Cruise. Football is a game of three phases, and we're going to hit the third phase right here. He wants to know, can we get a good kicker in the draft? So with that being said, Dane, who is your top kicker?
1: Well, my top kicker is Evan McPherson uh, out of Florida. Junior came out early. Uh, Big leg. Um, There's there's a lot to like about him. I think there's going to be two kickers drafted, probably. Uh, McPherson and then Miami's kicker, Jose, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Boragales, I believe is how you say it. Um, I, both those kickers have some love around the league. Um, you know, it, possible draftable grades, uh, later on in the draft. So fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, I think there's a good chance we can see both those guys come off the board Two, uh, to Florida guys with a, with a gator and a hurricane.
0: All right. Last question. This is back to the offensive line. It just came to my mind. We're talking about mm-hmm. Trey Smith. We're talking about Quinn miners. We're talking about their, their trajectories, their question marks. What do you think their floors are in the NFL?
1: With uh, Trey Smith?
0: And Quinn Miners, both of those guys, because there are obviously questions with both of them. I mean, with Elijah Barrett Tucker, Jalen Mayfield, we discussed it, and Creed Humphrey. I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of people have a good sense of them. But let's say Trey Smith and Quinn Miners don't hit their ceilings. Like, what is their floor in the NFL?
1: I think Smith has a little bit lower floor, um, you know, because like I said, his senior tape, there's some sloppy elements to it that, that, you know, worry you. Um, And because of the the medical uh, background, obviously, that's that's why he's more of a high risk, high reward type of guy. I think his floor is a little bit lower Um, with minors. You know, it's weird because he's a D3 guy, hasn't faced a lot of top competition. But I think there's a level of transparency with him because the competitiveness, the toughness. The movements, um, you know, what he showed at the Senior Bowl, I've seen that he can do it, and that's I think what I've learned most talking to GMs around the league and, and different talent evaluators. If you've seen a guy do it, uh, like even if it's you know it, uh, even a three day stretch like Quinn Miners, you know he can do it. Play after play after play, you've seen him do it. Um, it. Where with Trey Smith, it's a little more sporadic, but with a guy like Quinn Miners, the fact that I've seen him do it. I think shows me that he he has it in his muscle memory. He has it in his mental process where he can do it uh, consistently at the NFL level. It just, it, it might take a little bit of time. So I think Miners actually has a higher floor than Trey Smith, which sounds weird Talking about a D3 player compared to an SEC player, former five-star, but I would say Miners has the higher floor between the two players.
0: And that is the way the cookie crumbles, and that is all we have here on NFL Draft Preview, presented by Verizon with the Athletics' Dane Brugler. Dane, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you about the beast next week after it comes out.
1: Can't wait. Thanks, Ethan.